yes, oh yes, oh yes. This is episode number two of the Midnight Crisis Comp podcast. Uh, I was uh, taking the train down to Virginia to meet my wife. My in-laws live down there, and I uh, bought the book, uh, Bob Knight's My Story, uh, who just passed away in the beginning uh, of November. And while reading the book on the train, I got to a part where he mentioned a coach. His name was Alababo, and how he coached at St. St. Mary's. So he mentioned that specifically. Uh, not too many people outside of the basketball world, especially the basketball world in New Jersey, know who Alababo is. Uh, Alababo started out at a small school in Elizabeth St. Mary's where he perfected a defensive scheme, which is Bull U Man. From there, he won eight championships in 10 years. After finishing his time at St. Mary's, he moved to Belleville High School where he coached He coached there. Bob Knight crossed paths with Alababo, took him on as assistant up in West Point. They had a successful run up there. One of their players was obviously uh, Mike Krzyzewski, who was Coach K at, uh, at Duke University. From there, he had a successful run, and he became the head coach at Fairleigh Dickinson University. Fairleigh Dickinson he had, he had a great run. They would play anytime, anybody, anytime, anywhere. He didn't have a great wins and losses record at, at Fairleigh Dickinson. His time passed, and then he became an assistant under Luke Cornerseca and, and Brian Mahoney at St. John's University. This is an audio interview I did a couple years ago uh, with Hubie Brown. He was a player for Coach, uh, Coach Lababo at St. Mary's of Elizabeth, and uh, if anybody knows Hubie Brown, he makes the an inbound play sound like attack on Normandy, as what so, as somebody said. So f- Coach Brown talks a little bit about his start as his high school career and his relationship with Coach Lababo. Brown himself was a very, very successful coach. He started out at William & Mary, moved on as assistant at Duke, he won an ABA championship with the Kentucky Colonels under uh, Colonel Sanders, who was the owner. Then he he was a coach at Atlanta Hawks under Ted Turner when he when he bought after the merger. He became the Knicks, New York Knicks coach. And interesting fact about Hubie Brown, he won Coach of the Year twenty six years separate from the first time he won it to the second time he won it. He won it back in two thousand four, the last time Memphis Grizzlies. Jerry West hired him as as the coach to change the team around, and he won Coach of the Year in, in, in 04. Leaving that position after uh, some health issues, he was been been a broadcaster. A broadcaster started out in the USA Network. He's called NBA Finals. He's the best. If you're a basketball uh, disciple or a basketball junkie, he is the best as far as listening to the game. So it's my pleasure to introduce to you Coach Hubie Brown, Coach, you're you're a freshman at St. Mary's, and you're on the one through two press. And then was it the middle of it from your freshman year, sophomore year that he uh, that he that he came back with Bull U Man? What was the origin of Bull U Man? As far as you know, uh, uh, when he first came there, it was the fall of '47. That was our freshman year, so we were here '48, '49, '50, and '51. Okay. Now the first. The first year, I didn't make the varsity or the champion. 
And then the second year, I played on the JV. Uh, my third year, I started on the, the varsity, and my fourth year, I started. So the first three years there, uh, he was coaching. He was an assistant football coach, uh, head basketball coach, head baseball coach. Uh, now, at the baseball team was outstanding. They won the uh, parochial A uh, Northern New Jersey State Championship because that's all they played back then. You didn't go any further than that. I was a backup catcher on that, and uh, they they really had a, a great team. Uh, and uh, the only good thing that happened for me that year was I caught against St. Patrick's Carl Matthias pitched a no-hitter. So <laughs> that, that was great. It was great for me as a freshman. But anyway, as far as basketball goes, the freshman sophomore years and junior, the varsity and the JVs played a 1-2-2 zone. Uh, not a pressing zone, a tight 1-2-2 zone. Then in that summer, of 50, uh, he spent time with Gordon Ridings, who was the coach at Columbia High School, I mean Columbia College in New York City. Now, what transpired there, uh, I don't know, uh, because uh, we were unfamiliar with his relationship with Gordon Ridings. But when we started the basketball season, we were playing man-to-man and it was ball you had with uh, a lot of different types of rules, but it was a combination of man-to-man and zone. Now, uh, that year, 50-51, we go undefeated and we go 23-0. Now, that was big because we won the city championship we played in Elizabeth then. There were seven high schools, but the two, you know, uh, the, the best the big basketball schools were Thomas Jefferson, who had 1,600 boys, 10, 11, and 12. That uh, was uh, strictly male. They were group four. Then you had Edison, who was group three, uh, but they were co ed. Then you had uh, St. Mary's, Catholic B. St. Patrick's and Sacred Heart C, uh, parochial C. Then there was Pingree. Pingree was all boys at that time, and it was um, uh, in the prep school league. So they didn't play in the county tournament, or this, uh, they just played in the state tournament in regards to prep schools. Then there was a, an all-girls school there called Benedicta. Yeah, uh, and that, that just closed, right? Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they're now part of St. Benedict's. Yes. Yes. Uh, right. Uh, so anyway, so it was a, it was a, a big thing for us to go undefeated because we won the county tournament. We beat Jeff uh, Ernie Rokas in a shot, and we beat them by one. Uh, now they were a powerhouse in group four at that time so we now 
have won the city championship as well as the, uh, uh, I'm sorry, I should have backed up. When we played them during the season, we beat them at St. Mary's by six. And that broke their string of, I think, 58 or 59, something like that, in a row that they had won. So their only loss coming into the county tournament uh, was to us. So when we got to the finals, uh, we beat Jeff again by one on that, on that shot by Ernie. And then we go the rest of the way in the state tournament, and we go undefeated, and we win, we win Catholic B. Now, Jeff, on the other hand, they went group four, and they got to the finals and lost to Bayonne by two points in the group four final. Now, at that time, I didn't know this. I only found this out within the last five years. Uh, the newspapers in Hudson County wanted to have a four-team playoff. And they were the thinking was way before its time because the state tournament then and a county tournament in, a, in Union was played at the Elizabeth Armory. The entire state tournament was at the Armory. And later on, they eventually go to Atlantic City and then to a number of other places, etc. All I can tell you is this, is that the gym we had, uh, the one basket was on a stage and the other basket at the other end was on a balcony. And underneath it, uh, they used to just have like little bleachers. So uh, somewhere along the line, the uh, Balbo, they built an office for him underneath that balcony, okay? <laughs> right. And so there was an office there. It was narrow. And uh, that's where he had his office. Okay. Now, uh, was there a bar? I don't think that was the problem. Okay. I think the problem was that his family was able to move into a house across the street uh, from uh, St. Mary's, uh, and the convent was on the corner. Uh, and across the street from the convent was Baton High School. Across from Baton High School was an open field where we used to do softball and stuff like that uh, for uh, Gisette. And then St. Mary's was on the other corner. Sure. So LaBalbo had that house for free or limited, okay, uh, limited payment. Now, the old Monsignor that was there, okay, he was there when I was in grammar school and all through high school and then when I was in college, he was still there. And LaBalbo had a run of what was happening. So he had that house, and then they built that uh, little office underneath there. So then uh, when, you, when the teams were so good, they then would have fans upstairs also in that overhead, okay? And then also underneath on that one basket. But the other basket stayed the same off the stage, okay? 
No. Okay, go ahead. All right, so he, he left St. Mary's, and was there any, any reason why he left St. Mary's? And I think he went to Belleville, Belleville High School oh, yeah, okay. af, afterwards. From what, I from what I understand, you got to remember now, you just said he won eight state championships, and uh, they were a powerhouse. Now, you have to remember now, in my senior year, he's the head football coach, and we win the North Jersey State Championship. I think we're nine and one or something like that. And we lost the seat call, 14-7. But we, being B, we would play all the A teams because of having this football uh, success my freshman, sophomore, and junior years. Uh, there was a different coach, and Alabama was the assistant. But he left at the end of uh, our junior year. And then LaBalbo became the head coach. So we win the state in football. Then we win the state in basketball, meaning North Jersey. Right? And then uh, we didn't win it in baseball. Okay, but uh, So in my four years, he won the state himself, coaching football, coaching basketball, and then in baseball in my freshman year. That's amazing. He was, a, he was an incredible all-around coach because he was an incredible athlete in high school and when he went to Iowa State. Uh, he, he, he lettered in three different sports or four. And he grew up in the Bronx? Is that the... I was doing some research. Well, he grew up, yeah, he grew up in New York City and he was... Uh, um, I don't know what size they say, but uh, he was like about 6'1", supposedly 180, 190. Yeah, that's a good but, size. See, but... Once he went to Iowa State, he was a halfback in football. He went there on a football scholarship. They placed the guard on basketball. And in baseball, he was the number one pitcher in that conference with Stubby Overmeyer, who pitched with Detroit for years. And then uh, in, in track, uh, because I saw his yearbooks as I, when I was uh, in college in the summertime, he and his wife had two adopted children at the time. So I would babysit for them. So I saw his yearbooks. And that was legit about him breaking the pole ball record at the school also, even though he was a baseball star. So he, he was a phenomenal athlete. So he graduates from yeah. Iowa State. And then how did he end up in St. Mary's? And what, like, how did well, he, 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 he plays minor league baseball. Supposedly, down what level I'm not sure because uh, you're asking me to go back 75 years. Okay, yeah. uh, he now just goes into the service and he's in the navy and he gets malaria. So, the malaria uh, takes his weight down to like 150, 560, and he would have bouts of malaria at different time periods as we went from freshmen to seniors uh, at the school, at the school. And he would get, you know, malaria was a very difficult thing at that time. And so everyone, all the write-ups, they used to call him the thin man okay. because he was so thin, but he was probably the best dressed guy in Elizabeth because he was an incredible dresser. Uh, now, when he, comes out of the service, 
naturally baseballs out with this malaria that now where he comes from I don't know I don't know if he comes to St. Mary's from the service or he comes to St. Mary's from some other educational thing in New York that I don't know Okay. because we were only in the 8th grade going into the ninth grade all we knew is we had a new coach okay and he he replaced uh, a lady who went to St. Benedict's uh, and his son played for North Carolina and was the commissioner of the Big Ten. Is that Del- um, Delaney, I guess? Delaney was there? Delaney, that's yeah. yeah. Okay. Right. See, he was, he was the head coach when I was in the eighth grade. Okay. He was the head coach. But then he left, and that's when LeBron okay. Okay. So, okay, go ahead. Right. So he ends up at St. Mary's, uh, you know, has a, has a success. You know, I talked to. Uh, uh, hold I, on, hold yeah, on. Yeah. I didn't answer your question. Sure. From what I understand, is that you're saying the bar? No, I don't think it was the bar at all. Uh, I, I, and I'm just guessing because I really don't know. I, I think that the new master that came in might have. You have to get it from somebody else. Yeah. Push the uh, fact that Allison is now maybe not for uh, free or a small amount of money or also the amount of money. So that Belleville job opened up and he was the athletic director and basketball coach. And that's why I think he left St. Mary's because now he had, he'd run a hell of a run there. Okay. And uh, uh, that this was a great uh, opportunity because not only going into the public school is now he's involved in a pension and things of that nature, sure. which he didn't have as yeah. a parent. Sure. Okay. And, and then- he, also, you got to remember, we we were good. The guys after us at '52 were just as good. They, they were like that, 23 and 2 or 25 and 2. And they won the county and they won the, the state. Then came this other group. This was the Jerry Bechtel, uh, Jimmy Hallett. They were cousins. And the center was Dave Maracek. And the guard was Patty O'Donnell. And the other guard was Ned Kenna. They were outstanding. But they never won the county and the state but they they won the state but they got upset in the county a couple times but i think jeff beat them i'm okay. not sure but i think jeff beat them for two years i think then but they got invited to the rhode island catholic school tournament and that was the biggest tournament on the entire east coast out to chicago and supposedly I was in college at that time, but they were, they were, uh, they were one of 16 teams that got invited to this. And uh, the rule was that if you won the tournament three years in a row, you retired the trophy. (laughs) But the thing was in operation for like 40 years, okay? Well, they go up there, the Bechtel, Halleck, Rodchick, Patty O'Donnell, and that. All of them played college except for Nick Kenna. And uh, uh, 
they win it two years in a row. So the third year, they're thinking they're going back. They didn't invite them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So everybody who was yeah. left, I mean, you talk about because it, that was Bechdel and I again, right? Yeah. Their senior year. Oh, my God. So they didn't invite them back. Yeah. That's funny. And they would have won it again, probably. Yeah. But who knows? Because, you know, they had all the great teams from Washington, Boston, you know, New York City, yeah. Chicago. They, they really had great teams in yeah, that tournament. Sure, but I mean, but not again. That was a special team. So, just get back to Coach. I know I talked to uh, Mr. Halleck, uh, you know, years ago. He he said, like, when he was at St. Mary's, they were running practice, and, like, Coach had a way of just visualizing, like, your opponent. And he said there were, there were people watching their practice, and they had no idea who they who they were. But this Bull U man, I guess it, it was a – it was cutting edge, so – where do you think a lot of the words started getting out about Coach and this new uh, this new defense? Well, it wasn't new because the guy at Columbia was doing it at Columbia, and Columbia was a powerhouse then. Okay. Yeah, Jack Molinas and, and uh, the, the great guard that was All-American there. You know, they're, they're Columbia was a powerhouse uh, in the uh, uh, Ivy League. So this guy was a great coach. Okay. Now, what LaValvo did with it, he then added different types of drills and different types of uh, slides and bridges so that then also when you take the talent base and you put the talent base inside of that, then the, it became very difficult uh, uh, to maneuver whatever you were running continuity-wise against what they were because it was a combination of two defenses. Now, he then was asked to speak a lot in the different summer camps throughout Pennsylvania, Jersey, New York, etc. He became probably, in my opinion, the greatest uh, lecturer, whether it was summer camps or basketball clinics for coaches, high school, junior high school, high school, college, whatever, that would attend the, the, the uh, uh, clinics. He became the best. He was the best uh, demonstrator on the floor because he was an outstanding high school senior teacher in problems of American democracy. And then he had a couple of phys ed classes on the side. Uh, you know, back then the Catholic schools visit was like nothing. Yeah, sure. Uh, all right, so so that was a way of reimbursing him. So, but anyway, he became and he kept building on it. So then, when he leaves Belleville and he goes to to uh, uh, Army West Point with Bobby Knight, okay. Now they have Bobby Knight actually is going to do run volume man defense, etc. and so forth. Now, Bobby Knight, because of what he did at West Point, became famous for this across the country in college clinics. So, Bobby Knight became this, and Tate Slot, who was there as his assistant before Lavalbo, when Tate Slot left there. 
he went back to Miami of Ohio, where he was a star player with Wayne Embry. And he uh, that job opened up, so the Bible went was his assistant. Yeah, how, do you, how do you think Coach, Coach Knight found uh, Coach LaBablo? Was it just probably doing one of these, one of these presentations, the, the, these lectures around 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 the country, or was, was there kind of... Like, oh, no, he, he did them everywhere. Yeah, because then the clinics opened up across the country. The best coaches were, were doing clinics all over the country, okay? Guys that were the best teachers were doing that. There were summer camps like the five-star basketball camp, stuff like that. Uh, 400, 500 great players there every week. Right? So there was plenty of places to come to get a speaker like that to come and speak. And then he would, he might do two a day, okay? And uh, so West Point then has a Saturday in the fall that they would run a basketball clinic. Bobby Knight would run this clinic. And they would do all of their drills and everything. And they would get hundreds and hundreds of coaches, okay? I, I can't give you a total because I don't want to exaggerate. But sure. I'm not exaggerating when I yeah. tell you. It's going to be over 500 coaches, okay? From all over. All right? Now, what happens there is they would entice you to come and pay the fee for the clinic in the morning. That might go from 8 to 12. Then there was a lunch, and then you got to go to a West Point football game. Okay. A home football game. So that's now. Then now Bobby is giving them uh, uh, pamphlets uh, of all the drills uh, with pictures and diagrams and that of his players. So now it becomes, boom, it's all over the country. Okay, and he, oh, yeah, he becomes successful, and I guess one of his one of his players was uh, Coach K. So, I mean, he, he becomes successful, and then it kind of takes off. So it's just... Well, Coach K has nothing to do with this. Okay. Uh, okay. No, he's just he's there by association because he's a freshman there. Okay. And he, he plays on the basketball team for Bobby Knight. Okay. Okay. And uh, I I don't know if you read anything about Bobby Knight. You never see the Babo's name. True. Okay. I I never see the mention mention. That's it. correct. That's correct. Now Tate Slock. Anything you read about Tate Slock, he will tell you that William uh, Man was out of Babo and he learned it from him, such and so forth. And it depends upon which camp you're in, okay? And which guy did the more for your career, all right? It doesn't matter because guys in Jersey know who more you man was. Sure. Roly, Roly Massimino, Lou Campanelli, all the guys in Elizabeth and in Union County that became uh, high school coaches, college coaches, etc. all did more you man, all right? And... Uh, Roley, as you know, wins a national championship. Uh, but they would take it, extend it, and then do other things with it, uh, changing defenses, etc., and so forth. So you might take the defense down the floor, but the Bible never took the defense down the floor. It was always, you know, top of the circle, and then all of the rules that would go with, with as he progressed. 
because we were in the infant stage in 50-51. We were in the infant stage then. And, and then did, uh, did Coach LeBabo stay up at West Point after Knight left to Indi- for the Indiana job? Or is that when he got picked up? That's when he took over? Or did he leave for Fra- Fairly Dickens? See, I don't know. I, I, I don't know that. Uh, well, I, I don't know the years. You okay. have to look that I, I mean, yeah. Then he goes and he takes the Fairly Dickinson job. So, and he takes a fairly Dickinson job, and I, I talked to Seth Greenberg a couple times. I'm going to meet with him probably in a couple of weeks, but he said that they played everybody, like, you know, and I guess Coach That's right. Coach That's said right. that he was the one that was the driving force be, besides that arena. He said he didn't care about records. He, he'd play anybody anywhere, and uh, I guess they would have a, a pretty success, they were going to have a pretty successful Team, but I guess the one the one kid from Plainfield got into the car accident, which really which really set him back. Now, when uh, I, I told you, I, I was very tight with them because my father was tight with them. My father was when I was in high school was the janitor of school, and uh, before he went to work at Bury Biscuits, before that for 19 years he worked in, in the Carney shipyards. He was a foreman. Okay. And, uh, they did, they built the destroyers and battleships that went to uh, uh, you know the Second World War. But when the Carney shipyards closed down, I did was a foreman, and unfortunately they all got jobs. He got a job at Singer Sewing Machine, and had a great job. But then they opened Carney shipyards again, and like over a thousand foremen went back thinking that everything was going to be good. And then within a few months of that. They closed it again. All those guys were screwed. No, oh, jeez. Okay. That's horrible. Because at that time, you got all the guys who were back from the service now. So jobs were very, very hard. So, but the Balboa and my dad were very, very close uh, to my entire time in college and through the service. Um, and always remained close. Now, I would see the Balboa every time I came home and stuff like that. And then when I was coaching at Cranford, as uh, when I came out of the service, I went to, back to Niagara to get a master's degree and also a teaching certificate because I had a BS in economics uh, during the four years I was there. So when I went back there, uh, I got my degree and uh, Bill Martin was the athletic director at Cranford High School and he brought me in there and uh, this was 60. I was there 60, 61, 62, 63, and 64. Now, I was an assistant football coach and then assistant basketball coach to Bill Martin and the head baseball coach. So LaBalbo at that time was just the basketball coach, okay, at St. Mary's. And Tommy Sharkey, who uh, we played with in grammar school, yeah. baseball. Meeker Sharkey. Meeker Sharkey. went to see Tom. Yeah. 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 Well, he, you know, he was a, he was a great baseball player before he went into the seminary. And, uh, then he signed with Detroit when he left the seminary. Um, now, Tommy, as you know, became tremendously successful. Sure. Yeah. But he was coaching the St. Mary's baseball team while I was coaching the Cranford baseball team. 
as a battle would be at the games now because he was coaching basketball. And we, Cranford played St. Mary's every year. Uh, so, uh, yeah, we always, we're in different, different places now. Yeah. Uh, so now I'm married and I got kids. And, and unfortunately for Al, his first wife passed away and it was a shock. Uh, it was a tremendous shock. And, uh, she was a great woman, really, really a wonderful woman. And, uh, all the guys loved her. And this is around that time? Oh, hold on a yeah, yeah, sure. I'm, I'm, I'm getting yeah. sentimental here. Yeah. That's okay. Uh, then he married a gal from Brookside Swim Club, who was the top secretary helping run that Brookside Swim Club. He married that lady, and then she was with him all the way until he passed away. That was uh, his wife, Ruth? R Ruth was her name? Yes, that's mm. right, Ruth. And she was terrific for him. It was great, and he was very fortunate to meet a gal like that, and then she was great for him for the rest of his life. Now, uh, did they have any kids, or uh, did they have any no, kids? No, they didn't have any kids. They, no, just the, the, the first two. Okay. And then, uh, when you got into coaching, I know I did some of my research, you know, Coach Babel gave you a, a few pointers. Did did he did he steer you into coaching as far as like uh, as far as a, saying you know that you would be a good coach or I mean, like did he did he steer you in a direction or just kind of let you be find your own way? Well, I coached one year in a little town called Little Falls, New York. Sure. I, we graduated from college, and the guys that were ROTC, they immediately went back into service. And they went right to Korea. Okay, my two roommates, Frank Layton and a guy by the name of Jim McDonald, six-five guy from Albany, they got sent to Monmouth, Fort Monmouth, which was incredible. Mm. The rest of the guys all went to Korea. Uh, now me, I was in the draft category, mm. so so they told me, the draft board told me, you're, you're not going to get drafted until the fall or in August. So I graduated in 55, so there's a year here, okay? So uh, I got offered the, uh, a little Catholic school, uh, St. Mary's. We had about 150 kids, and uh, they only had basketball and baseball. Uh, it was a little town of about 9,500 people, right off the uh, uh, throughway, uh, right sure. below Utica. It was 30 minutes below Utica on a drive. So I coached there and because the the treasurer of Niagara University grew up there and he called me and uh, because my whole life was baseball and uh, stuff like that so he calls me and says look why don't you drive up here and uh, Monsignor there would like to talk to you, and there's a job there, some fun that. So I knew I had a year, so I went up there, and they offered me the job, and, uh, and that, that's what, that's what uh, created in me that I thought that I should be a coach. Okay. So when I came out of college, I had a BS in economics, 
but they didn't care. I just did phys ed classes, you know, was sure. school. So when I went in the service and I was playing out at the Presidio, uh, we had, you know, we looked at the old Army Finals in 57 in overtime to Fort Dix. And uh, I was, there were 10 guys that were on the team out there. And they were all, most of them were all, well, two of them were all Americans on, from out in California. And then the majority of the guys were all, you know, really good college players. We had a, we had a great team. And uh, that was the last year of the old Army tournament because that tournament had college guys, pro guys from the NBA, and then guys from the Eastern League because back then you only had eight teams in the NBA, 10 guys on the team, and then you had the eight teams in the Eastern League. So the tournament at Fort Monmouth was loaded with talent. It was just all kinds of college guys. So being with these guys out on the West Coast, four of them became college coaches and eventually. So with that, when I was coming out, uh, Carol Williams and I, who was the All-American at uh, San Jose, he, he played against all the Russell's teams, Bill Russell and Casey Jones' teams at San Francisco. When, when they won the league, Santa Clara was second. I mean, San Jose was second. And uh, Carol was the high scorer in the league. So we did offer the job uh, in the AAU league. He either played at Seattle or LA. But I decided that I wanted to be a coach now. So in order for me to be a coach in public school, I would have to go back and get a teacher's certificate. So the priests at Niagara, they set it up for me to get my master's degree as well as a teaching certificate. So I did my practice teaching at Niagara Falls High School. And uh, so when I did, in one year, I got a master's and then I was able to get a teacher's certificate. So then that next year, when Cranford offered me a job, I could teach in a public school. But I'll tell you the advice that he gave me that was the best. See, I can't talk to him for a long period of time. Yeah, yeah that's right. I, I, I mean, it's okay. Uh, it's okay, Coach, if I could just call you back me in a couple of weeks or, or so. We can set no, some no, up. no. I'll talk to you now. That's yeah. fine. And I'm just saying, but uh, I, 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 know, uh, I know you threw a lot of information at me, so... Uh, um, uh, you know, if you give me like five more minutes, and then if I can call you back maybe in a couple of weeks, you could set something else up if that's okay with you. So I know it's uh, it's a, it's a lot, you know. They can. All right, let me end with this. Okay. When I went in the Hall of Fame, the two most important people in my life were my father, General Obama, and uh, that was the main part of my speech, along with my family, because. Before I did that first job, I went to his house and I said to him, uh, look, I, I, just, I just got a car, because that was the first car that we ever had. And uh, I said, I'm gonna drive up there. So he said, all I wanna tell you is this. He said, you have a great voice. And he says, try not to use a whistle. Make them respect your voice. And that was the greatest advice anybody ever gave me about coaching. Getting attention as 
field, etc. And the only time I ever used the whistle was on the sleds in football. I would always just use my cards. And that was him, because that's how he operated. He never used a whistle, except on the sleds mm. in football. It was great. Yeah. Well, that's great advice, Coach. And I know you say you always. I saw a clip on on lines, and also freeze them with with their eyes, freeze them with your eyes, and 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 there there's a lot of a lot of stuff out out there. And I, listen, Coach, I appreciate the time. Uh, I'm gonna probably put this together in the next couple of weeks, uh, hopefully by the spring. But you know, I, I appreciate the time, and, and my my thoughts, my prayers go go out to you at this time. And uh, you know, uh, I, I know I look forward to you coming up to. The VFW every year because it was it was great. I know that time you know uh, times change. COVID did a lot of a lot of uh, change on it, but I, I really appreciate the time. And I'll uh, if I if Are I you could. Were at any of those? Yeah, I was at about four or five of them. Yeah, so when I could, so so uh, I, I was I was one of the younger guys. But anyway, I just uh, well, no, it was uh, it was wonderful because as you know. It was like a reunion of all the guys from Union County. It was great. Yeah. I mean, I was Everybody. on, I'm a younger guy. I was in my 40s, but I'll tell you, it was, it was great. I look forward to it every year. I mean, you probably know my uncle, Jimmy Doherty, so I, I'm probably from the neighborhood. Oh, come on now. Yeah. Jimmy's my man. Yeah, yeah. In the for, playground, like, yeah. at New York Avenue, I picked him first before Bechtel and Alec. Yeah. In the games that we were playing for morning. Yeah, he, uh, he was a good man in the 40s. He passed away last year. He had, uh, he had cancer. Oh. Yeah, cancer. How about, how about Danny? Danny, I believe, still alive. Danny Doherty? Yeah, yeah. I, I believe he's still alive. So, yeah, I know he was undercover there for yeah, a while. Yeah, so, he, he, uh, yeah, but I believe he's still still alive. But, yeah, that, my Uncle Jim was, uh, he was uh, he was bigger in life than me. So, that, um, I, I went to law enforcement, I think it's one of the reasons why, because he was such a great police officer. So, but, uh, but anyway, Coach, thanks for the, thanks for the time, and I'll definitely, uh, uh, if if it's okay, and call you back in. Uh, yeah, that's uh, fine. All right, that's all right. Be all well right. and stay you, safe. You sir. take care of yourself. Yeah, thanks very much. Take care. I I hope you enjoyed this interview. Sorry, this was made a couple years ago on an audio clip over the phone. I wish that it could have been a little more cleaner, but I appreciate Coach with the time. Listen to this episode and many more coming up about El Alababo and his time at West Point, Fairleigh Dickinson, and St. John's for episodes three. And thank you for listening, and thank you for listening to Chop Sports Network.